Burnt my fingers, man. I beg your pardon? Man that watches so hot was smoking. Hot? Do you mean to imply stolen? I gave you 50 bucks for it. 50 bucks? No, no, no. This is a Rochefoucauld, the thinnest water-resistant watch in the world. Singularly unique, sculptured in design, handcrafted in Switzerland, and water-resistant to three atmospheres. This is the sports watch of the 80s. $6,955 retail. You got a receipt? No, it tells time simultaneously in Monte Carlo, Beverly Hills, London, Paris, Rome, and Stad. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. Just give me the money. How much for the gun? episode 90 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, in this episode, we're going to bring you a double review. We're going to bring Loring. you... <laughs> I don't know. I can't hear anybody at the moment. Ian Loring. That's, that's Ian Loring. That's that is my co-host. I am Mark Foster. And we're going to bring you the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, the uh, Studio Ghibli, or more um, appropriately, the Hayao Miyazaki uh, documentary. We're also going to bring you Kevin Smith's new joint, uh, Tusk. Uh, and we're going to bring you some we're not going to do 101 new because we've been away for a couple of weeks so we're going to bring you just a general what we've been watching uh, and we're going to bring you the next instalment of our uh, Scorsese Marathon with the Age of Innocence we're also going to answer some questions and chat some trailers as well um, Ian, is there anything that you want to add that's happened in the past couple of weeks that you think we should cover? Um, I don't think so um if anyone is thinking of voting for UKIP after a couple of things, Nigel Farage has been coming out with over the last couple of days. Stop listening to this podcast because I don't want your kind listening to my podcast. I, I, will, I will second that. Have you heard his latest one today? About immigration about, and about, the M4. Yeah, about, about the reason why he was late to a party conference and the fact that a meet and greet meeting that people have paid for was because uh, it was nothing to do with his lack of professionalism. It was to do with the fact that there's too many immigrants and the M4 is badly designed. I agree with the M4 part because the, the, around Newport it, is, it gets notoriously snarled up around there but the, the actually actually blaming immigration is the, the kind of the, the funniest slash most disturbing thing I've ever heard it is, it is uh, it, yeah he's it, 
He's had an entire week of basically taking out a big shotgun and shooting himself in his foot repeatedly, hasn't he? I just, I don't get it. I'm just going to be two seconds, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would very much doubt anybody just, listeners would, it, would vote that way anyway. No, no. I, I just, it, it staggers me. It staggers me that people take him seriously. And sorry, I'm having a real time trying to get my phone charged. I do apologise. Um, it staggers me that people take him seriously. I just, I, I just, I, I how, how. Again, my earphones are out, forgive me. Sorry, I will calm down in a second. But it just... He's hes a cartoon character, and I don't understand it. And he's an absolute idiot. And he's also... He, I don't know, he used to be a stockbroker, so he's not a man for the, of the people at all. He's hes an idiot. He's a fucking monkey with a gun, which, I mean, is my Twitter icon, but he is actually a monkey with a gun, and he can get fucked. And anyone who actually supports UKIP can get fucked as well. Yes. I know, I, I really, 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 really hope no one listens to this show is even considering it, but they can, uh, they can get fucked. I would very, very, very much doubt they would with our hyper-liberal attitudes to life. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, but I oh, just, Jesus Christ. Yeah, especially as we're about to talk about a movie uh, made by... Um, People from people people from the foreign lands. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. I just, we, 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 we should just cover the king's speech every week. Yeah, fucking. Uh, immigration is to play is why the M4 is busy. I just, it, it, I, you can't. I actually thought it was somebody taking the piss. Yeah, and then I read it. I read it on BBC News, and it just. I. I oh, anyway, moving on. To be fair, unless and we will we will get on a film chat in a minute. But to be fair, in less serious notes, I I thought that. Did you see this thing about the um, FA's new uh, England DNA? Um, thing they've come out with. Oh, what's this now? Uh, the FA have done like a big sort of investigation into the way that the FA runs and anything like that. So they've released this this um, FA DNA thing that they want to um, they want to introduce that's going to be passed and spread through um, all the way through um, the England teams and the various kind of aspects of, of the England team. And I'm not joking. I'm just going to find some of them because some of them are just um, um, magnificent. And I thought that, that they were taking the piss when they started putting this out there. Uh, I'm just going to scroll through because they're on Sky's. Uh, what is it? Here we go. Here we go. This is a couple of them. And I, I swear to God, I am not joking. Ian, England DNA report, report. Players should show excellence in... Passing and receiving, turning and travelling, attacking and defending, finishing, aerial ability. England players' requirements, induction process into the England way, whatever the fuck that is. Um, become familiar with the main DNA messages given wristband DNA memory sticks. <laughs> These are official fucking what? points. I am not joking. Uh, create personal meanings for the badge and the anthem be socially responsible right this is this uh, there's more but they just get more ridiculous i thought they were a fucking joke right that they were actually someone was taking the piss and actually put those little banners over it it's not and all i can think is somebody was paid to do that somebody sat there with the powerpoint and went this is what we're going to do and then the 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 big wigs at the fa went this is fucking brilliant this is marvelous 
well, why haven't we done this before? And all I can think is there's there must have been one guy sat there going, <laughs> really, really, you, you're serious? Hang on a minute. As an organisation, we're a laughing stock, right? You know, we're actually you're actually going to release this. Well, we think it's brilliant. All right, great, brilliant, brilliant. There is what there must be one guy at the FA who just knows that it's all a fucking joke. That literally he will like throw out corporate bullshit just to take the piss but that that is that and that probably cost knowing the fa about two and a half million quid can you imagine yeah. how many 3g pitches could have been built how many um different playing fields could have been stopped going down through closure how many school teachers or volunteers could have been put through their fa badges for this fucking bullshit to come out for somebody who used to adore football it's crap like that that is making me absolutely fall out of love with it yeah but then you got stoke be- beating arsenal 3-2 and newcastle beating chelsea 2-1 and then all's well with the world <laughs> yeah uh, i'm i'm, I'm in, in a terrible horrible downer place with football at the moment but you know what i'm not in a horrible downer place with Film. Hey. Um, I suppose the other thing that we need to that we, we should, should at least <laughs> at least address that isn't trailers or the films we're going to talk about is uh, Bond Twenty Four, um, which is uh, named after a computer I had in the nineteen uh, eighties. Kind of. Kind of. But I, I did for ages. Whenever I saw it saying Spectra, uh, my brain did turn to Spectrum automatically nice. and all i all i envisioned now was is james bond and loads of fast editing cuts as he was loading a car loading a cassette and waiting for hong kong fooey to load nice i'm excited for bond 24 uh, I, i'm excited that it's 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 the Houghton van what's his name who um shot oh, Ho- uh, Hoyt van hoytima yeah, who shot uh interstellar is uh is shooting it um and let the right one in and her yeah you know, like uh, he and Tinker taylor you know i mean that yeah man that's, that's you know that's that's an interesting way to go down it um, and i believe they're actually shooting on 35 millimeter as well if i remember if i, I remember seeing that and he did do that with interstellar well he shot in 35 and 70 and for interstellar, 70 for interstellar, so, yeah so um, that's interesting even though i mean i will say skyfall i think is actually the best looking digitally shot film i've ever seen so i I wasn't particularly begrudging them doing digital, but it's kind of cool to see them do film again. Yeah, me, me and Noel had this uh, film versus digital conversation the other week. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, 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 I made that impassioned speech showing instead of how much I love uh, film. And Noel was like, yeah, I prefer digital. I'm like, no! No! That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very very glad that they're going to shoot it on film. I, I'll be I'll be honest, I am I'm still going to get excited about it because I think that um, launching a press conference to announce your cast and the name of your film irks me a little bit. But then, you know, I, I don't feel any badness towards it, but it does kind of make me go. You're just telling me the fucking title and who's in it. And I already knew all those people were in it. <laughs> it's like the teaser for a teaser, bollocks. Though, yeah. It? It's just like, I, I don't know. They have to try and do more and more things to make these specific films feel like an event, especially in 2015 when you've got so many big films coming out. 
but I mean, the good thing with Bond is it's coming out in a, in a kind of a period where there's not a lot of other big films coming out. Like it comes out, I think, the end of October over here, the beginning of November in the US, and you got the the, the last Hunger Games a, a few weeks after. But it kind of feels like it's got its space to itself. And uh, I, uh, good on. I mean, I, I mean, I'm very excited for Spectre. And I, I want to. I haven't raised this with Jordan or Dave or Tim yet, but I want to for um for the ver for the verite. I want to do uh, bondage with Ian Loring, uh, which is like just me going through all the Bond films to give me an excuse to buy the Bond fifty set. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I was kind of thinking of calling it a beginner's guide to bondage with Ian Loring, but no, it's not really a beginner's <laughs> guide to Bond, you know, but. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of want to do it just for the title, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> well, that's a yeah. Friday the 13th started, so... Yeah, there you go. So, but, yeah, yeah quite. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, I expect a very, very excited for it. Cool. All right, then, Ian, uh, let's get into the into the meat of this. What, what trailers have you been watching <laughs> in the past few weeks? Because okay. there's been a couple of biggies, haven't there? Yeah, I mean, let's fucking... I mean, a lot of them are old news, though. So, I mean, like, Star Wars... I'm very, very excited. I watched it like six or seven times. I put up a fucking Instagram video of me showing my daughter it, and she's 11 months old. But she, when the Millennium Falcon went, uh, like came on the screen, she actually raised her hand and pointed. So that'll do. Yeah. Uh, Noah was saying to me that um, when he put it on uh, at home, uh, he said that when the Millennium Falcon bit came out, he said Charlie looked up from what he was doing and went. <gasps> Oh, yeah, yeah. so you know, it's things like that 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 take over my sort of cynical mind on it and go, do you know what? I'm gonna step back and just go. I'm really glad that everybody seems really happy and up for this, and I'm very, I'm very happy on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't talk about it too much because I know you're not a massive Star Wars fan, but I am, I, I am excited. I, I think that. It fee- it does feel like Star Wars, and that's that's fine by me. But anyway, well, that that was what I what I got from it. Coming from somebody who I suppose has no real kind of connection to it, is it looked like uh, original trilogy Star Wars. Yes, exactly. Um, and and not the the second trilogy, and that's not really shit talking the second trilogy, but that is what it looked like to me. Is it looks a little bit more like. Abraham's just gonna go down kind of that vein, and I'm not even sure where these fit into the whole story of everything so um i'm unclear on that uh i i, I will be going to see it because i know becky wants to go and see it and Izzel wants to go and see it so I, I i will be going to see it um but i, I can't say i'm super pumped for it but i'm, I'm really glad that everybody seems to be that, that people are excited about you know film it, it, it's nice i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be one of those ones who go i don't like star wars so i think it's shit I, I that's not true you, you know it looked it looked interesting mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know, shooting on 35mm, the fact that practical effects seem to be very much back. You know, mm. Oscar Isaac in an X-Wing, that's fucking fine by me. Um, if he wants to swing, sing If I Had Wings at the same time, you know, that would be fine by me as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, good stuff. Um, Jurassic World uh, looks good. Um, I, I, I think it's fun that was stolen by Star Wars Episode Seven, frankly. But yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think it, it, it looks interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't have much too much more to say because it doesn't really do the, the trailer doesn't really do that much. But you know. uh, yeah, for, for me, the Jurassic World take out Chris Pratt and I'm just not bothered. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I am um, Jurassic Park was a, a big a deal. Big film for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 
you know, like a really, that's a really defining memory of me, me getting into film was uh, seeing Jurassic, uh, Jurassic Park. So, uh, yeah. Um, trailer for Pan, uh, which looks mental. Um, and it kind of looks like it just might be a massive bomb next year, to be honest. I, I, yeah. I, it, I mean, I, Garrett Headland as a good Captain Hook who probably gets bad by the end of it or something. I'm, I'm, I'm up for Hugh Jackman doing Panto. Why the fuck not? Um, but it kind of feels like, oh, you know, revisionist fairy tales are a big thing at the moment. Let's mm. do this. And, you know, but I mean, I like Joe Wright, so... Yeah, who knows? But it, it already feels like in a crowded summer, that's one that's just going to die a death. But hey, yeah, yeah, I, I hope I hope it doesn't because I don't feel any sort of animosity to it. But I did watch the trailer and go, mm. I mean, it, it looks like they're doing something different with the property and whatnot, you know, and that's 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 cool. But um, I just yeah, I'm not that bothered. Um, and I mean the big one this week. This is the last one I'm really going to talk about. Terminator Genesis, which I thought looked fucking chonky, um, really, really ropey looking. Mm. To be honest, um, it, it, yeah, it looks like the, a confused mess. Yeah, the the future stuff looked I, just really boring and generic. Jason Clark's scars looked fucking retarded. Um, Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. I just know. Yeah, um, it, 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 it doesn't fit the aesthetic of, 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 of Kyle Reese. Did you think that the future stuff looked... And I know this is going to sound slightly fucking strange, but it it all looked like if you flicked on lights around it, you'd be able to see that it's a fucking set. set. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it does look like, like that. And the idea of... Um, Essentially, from what that gives, I know it's only two and a half minute trailer, but what the, the the previous four films are irrelevant. The timelines are irrelevant. Okay, you know that's either going to be a, a, a big what the fuck have they done, or a or it, it it has the possibility of going whoa. All right, yeah, that makes sense now. Yes, yeah, I, I I I just. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm like, Terminator, Terminator Salvation was supposed to be the start of a new trilogy as well, and yeah. then that one just completely went nowhere. And it just it just feels like it's going to be the same again. And then James Cameron's going to get the rights back in a few years. And then to be honest, I just don't think we're going to get any other Terminator films. I don't think he's going to want to do them. And good for him, mm. you know. So I mean, that's the thing. They they basically they've got until 2019, and then the rights revert to James Cameron, no matter what. Yeah. Though them's the rules, and then it's just so they basically a film in 2015, a film in 2017, a film in 2019, and then they're done. And then and, and hopefully this will be it, and then it, they can just go away, and we can have we can just have the first two films, and that will be it. It just, it just no no. Um, I mean you know if it turns out to be if it turns out to be a good film, I'll be the first to say it. You know like I'm. I have turned around on things in the past. I mean, Christ, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Not a lot of people defend that film. I fucking hated that trailer. And I, I, I wanted in 35mm Heroes, I was very, 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 very public about how much I hated that trailer. Watch the film. I own it on 3D Blu-ray. I think um, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter is the laugh. Um, <laughs> 
Fair enough. It, it's, it's got a bit where a vampire chucks a horse at Abraham Lincoln and another bit where a, 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 a vampire sniffs the air and then it goes, Abraham fucking Lincoln. You know, I'm, that's... Go. I, 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 I had a good time with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I don't have a problem with it at all. I'll probably never I watch s- it again, but I enjoyed it when I watched it. I, s- I went to see that with um, Andrew Jones at Ethan Runt on Twitter. He'd already seen it before, but he just went along with me anyway. And, you know, had had a blast. Had a really, really good time. So, you know, fuck it. I, if, if, if this is good, awesome. It doesn't look like it's going to be good. Amelia Clark looks like she might be good value. Mm. Um, and I don't know. There's some intrigue there with Arnold, I suppose. But the, just the future stuff looks horrible. But I kind of get the feeling there's not going to be a lot of that in this one. No. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends with Sarah Connor somehow going to the future. No, I wouldn't be surprised with that either. You know that you know because that's something they haven't explored yet, and I, I could I, you know you know it's going to end on a this is all oh, coming up in two years, and like the first one did, uh, like Terminator Salvation did. Sorry, and anyway, I it, just bad. And at that point you make about turn on the lights, it looks like a set. That's fucking bang on, man. Good call. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, right, I, I have I have nothing about in the trailer department. It was those big ones, and I haven't really watched much much else for a busy old couple of weeks. Fuck it, let's just get on then. Yes, uh, so we're going to play you a trailer, uh, or uh, well, we might not actually uh, play a trailer because uh, it, it's it's in Japanese. So essentially, it'd just be a load of words that you don't fucking understand unless you speak Japanese. If if you do, then um, you're, you're better than us. Um, so, uh, Ian, uh, the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Uh, you wrote a review for Godzilla. I haven't actually read the review because I would prefer to talk to you about it, then I'll go back and read it afterwards. Um, so, what are your what are your thoughts on the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which essentially centers more around um, the making of um, Hayao Miyazaki's possible last film, although I still doubt that uh, The Wind Rises, which we were both very big fans of, um, and it, it, it more centers around him uh, on that rather than uh, the the studio itself. Yeah, which is which is something that the film slightly masks at first because yeah. it, it kind of starts setting up like the history of Ghibli and his relationship with uh, Isao Takahata um, but then it kind of drifts away from that and just focuses on Miyazaki which to be honest I think anyone going to this is probably going to is going to want anyway yeah um, and uh, but even I mean I, I will say one minor complaint I do have about it is the fact that it does kind of feel like they're chucking Takahata under the bus sometimes. Um, there's not a lot from him. Um, like it's archive footage and then a bit from him at the end. But all that's really talked about with him is his connection to Miyazaki and then how rubbish he is at finishing films. <laughs> films yeah. You know, which, uh, which you know, was a little bit... This all seems a little bit mean, you know, like even the bit where they're in the cinema and they hear the the trailer for the trailer for Princess Kaguya, and they're, they're like they're just listening to that trailer and they're going, oh, I'm not too sure about that. Oh, fuck, we need to get this, you know, we need to get this finished. And it, it, it's like really, you know, it kind of belies the spirit of the rest of the film. Um, but I I thought it was fascinating. I, I you know not perfect because of stuff like that, but. Although it was really interesting, I could have watched it uh, for uh, for much longer, to be honest. Um, 
you know, I, if there was like a full three hour version of this, I'd happily sit down and watch it. Um, and one of the things I think is interesting about it is, is the fact that it's focused on Miyazaki and it does, it somewhat punctures the image of Miyazaki in terms of, you know, he's not infallible and he is an old man and he kind of does talk like an old man at times. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it kind of ma- makes him in the end feel like a richer presence anyway. And also, I mean, that point you made about um, The Wind Rises maybe not being his last film, I kind of think it is because, you know, obviously the fact that he's, he said it's going to be his last film, but he's, he said that before. But just the fact that, you know, in the film, he's very philosophical about the fact that the world is changing and market forces are, change, are changing and Ghibli is not going to be around forever. And that's very much, you know, events of, of like the summer have very much kind of marked out. He knows that things are coming to an end and it, it you know, the wind rises itself feels like a man trying to make a final statement even though it is interesting that you have that moment where he decides to have uh, Jiro live instead of, uh, instead of follow his uh, dead wife. Uh, you know, so there is a glimmer of hope there, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was fascinating, but go ahead. Bud. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I very much thought this, the, the same, to be honest, it's, um, it, it's a fascinating insight. And it's what I'll say is you would never, ever um, get a, a documentary like this that had the access to the honesty uh, like this and the seeming lack of control from uh, Miyazaki or the lack of edit from Miyazaki and uh, Ghibli as well uh, from a Western studio. For instance, if you were to put, if you were to say, right, we're going to make a documentary that details the making of Toy Story 4, I don't think you'd get the same kind of uh, brutal honesty of, of, of how, you know, the filmmaker feels about it and how the studio works and anything like that. You know, there was a lot of, you know, board meetings where people are getting a little bit kind of snippy, you know, the Goro Miyazaki bit where essentially he comes across as a little bit of a dick um, in that meeting uh, and a little bit like essentially he's going, you know... I, you know, not this isn't what he says, but essentially you get the feeling he's going, Look, I'm here because Hayo's my dad. I'll do what I want. And it, it did feel a little bit like that. And like everyone's and it, going, I mean, everyone's just, going, we have to pussyfoot around this guy because he is Hayo's son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that he, he's even kind of saying, like, Look, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for my dad. You know, I, yeah. it's almost like, like he's saying, I don't really care. Yeah. You know, you know, whatever. You lot should be glad I'm here anyway. And it, yeah. It, yeah, I like. It kind of feels. I mean, you know, his films have not been nearly as warmly received, and it does kind of feel like. And they're not. He he, he should be the kind of the torchbearer for Ghibli to continue, but he just can't be asked or something. Yeah, I, I um, think I think it's a combination. Of, yeah, I think it's a combination. He can't be asked, and he. I think there's a part of him that's aware that he's that he, that he seems to be aware, like you know. I didn't come out animation, you know, and I do wonder if I'm any good at it, it, it you know, directors like that. And it's like, well, you, you know, you're not terrible at it. Your films aren't terrible. They're just a bit boring, to be honest. Mm. Um, but it's also quite, the, the, the more candid moments with, with Miyazaki were quite good. Because, you know, there's this, there's this outward image of Miyazaki because you, there's a lot of pictures stood next to big giant Totoro's that is this happy sort of good lucky sort of, 
chappy. What is it? And, but you, you do get the idea from some, sort of watching him in this that he could be quite... They all do seem a little bit scared of him. Um, yes. And like, you know, that sort of guy who... Nice, everything like that, but you get the feeling that it's, right, this is my vision. This is how we're doing it. And if you went, well, could we do it like this? He'd go... It sort of look around and go, I- I'm sorry, are you the fucking director? No, I am. No, do it the way I fucking tell you, or fuck off. Yeah, you I mean, get... uh, yeah, go on, sorry. I mean, I was just going to say, there's that fascinating bit as well, that that scene with the animator where she's saying, which, again, you would never get in a in a Western do- animation documentary, I don't think, where at least one that's kind of set while they're actually making the stuff, mm. maybe in the years hence, but where you've got her saying, you've got to actually sacrifice a bit of yourself to work for him yeah. because he will take like stuff from you, which, which is just like, what? Hey, Miyazaki, the big man with the lovely beard, by the way, on my Godzilla review, I rated his beard 10 out of 10. I love his beard. Um, but the, the, the beard and the apron and the kindly man, like you say, standing next to the Totoro's, but it's moments like that where it just, it makes Miyazaki feel like a richer, fuller person. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 and the thing is, he still he still seems like a lovely guy. Yeah, totally. Um, but also, there's like him talking about uh, his work and everything like that, where essentially he's saying, you know, do films actually really matter? And then there's other bits where he's saying, you know, I don't actually enjoy it. Nobody should enjoy it. And yet, feel like he has this. He, he does come across at some points like a bit of a crabby old man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but not in a not in a nasty or a snide way. Just in a a little bit like he's he's I'm I'm seventy two years old. I'm too fucking tired to do this shit anymore. Mm. But you know, it, it, then he, he has the, the the thing with the goats of putting the goats outside oh, his God. window every day. It's not like two or three. There's there's loads, and there's a great bit. Where they're in a they're in a boardroom and Miyazaki's walking up some steps and he walks by the window and he kind of he makes almost like a face and waves and then just walk but doesn't go into the boardroom just walks back round and it's like the, one of his rituals is waving at the kids in the nursery and it's just he does seem to come across and like the the, the stopping mid afternoon to do calisthenics yes off, off the radio was brilliant and then insisting that everybody comes up to the rooftop to watch the sun go down. You know, it is just... There's little moments like that that show that, yeah, he has these eccentricities and uh, etc. But, you know, he's... I mean, watching him while he's talking to his assistant, who he clearly has a lot of affection for. Yeah, yeah, And he's as much an assistant as, as... And he says it. Actually, you know, she's not just an assistant. She's a friend. She's one of my friends. Um, and you know, but he's he's talking to her about things whilst actually drawing out the storyboards, and you're watching him do it, and you're watching him go from having nothing on this page to having something that you've then seen, you know, more fleshed out in the wind rises. But it's just I'm watching it going, I can't even draw a fucking stick, man. And you're having a conversation and just kind of like not even really looking at it, and and just essentially drawing just lines that are deforming this amazing picture. And then the fact that the Ghibli offices, uh, the Ghibli, sorry, offices, uh, there's stuff sort of littered around that is 
sort of, you know, the I've got a Dolce Gusto machine at home, and then they've got one in the office, then but behind it, someone's obviously written like the cleaning instructions, but has drawn the the, the Dolce Gusto machine as a as a as a Ghibli character. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it, it's just there's wonderful little things like that that, that go around that kind of that warm you a little bit, um, and then you have it's quite a, a sad documentary at points because Miyazaki seems very much, you know, he knows that maybe in, in possibly within the next 10 years that, that it's gone. It ain't going to last. Well, I mean, you've got that stuff at the end as well where yeah. like they're, they're kind of packing up and, and, and whatnot, you know, and there's that one shot of the guy is just kind of staring. He's like sat at his desk and just staring. Yeah. And it, it, it you know, I mean, they're, the, the thing that I really like about it is, is just the fact that it seems to almost capture the, the, the kind of the, the, the melancholy loveliness of a Ghibli film. Mm. But, it, it feels like that's the kind of world that Miyazaki exists in. You know, it's this world that isn't perfect, but there is charm there and there is wonder, um, you know, but uh, not everything's all, all happiness and sunshine. It's, um, I, and I mean, I think as to the, the director's credit, and I mean, like, I'm going to... Uh, I can't get the director's name because my computer... It's uh, Mami Sundaya. Yeah, there you go. Um, and I, I, I think um, she deserves full credit for that. You know, um, she obviously works very closely with Miyazaki and got great access. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And even the, the, the kind of the making of The Wind Rises stuff is great. I mean, the, the lead actor like, conversations are amazing. Like, where they suggest... Yeah. The guy who turns out I didn't know I didn't know until the film said, but he, like he was just an animator like on old Ghibli films, yeah. and they're like, well, what about him? And Miyazaki's just like, huh? And, and then it just comes back to him, and every they, time he's getting more and more excited. Yeah, they, they about almost the idea. they almost say it as like a joke. Says it the the, the, the lady yeah. suggests it as like a joke. You mean yeah, a bit right. like? And he goes, <laughs> yeah, no way. Actually, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah, and you he, he can see him going. He goes from sort of going, "Ha, ah, that's funny," but yeah, no way. Yeah, I want him now. Yeah, and it it, it works. It it works so wonderfully. Um, it, it is like you say, it, it's moments like that that kind of that show you the access that that they had is is quite staggering, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, man. I it just um, it 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 does feel warts and all. Um, you know, but I mean, there's no. I, apart from some of the stuff with Takahata, it, it is a bit bitchy, even though I will know that there is that one guy who says, look, without Takahata, there is no Studio Ghibli. And the, the, the director says at one point, you know, like sometimes Miyazaki's quite complimentary of him. Sometimes he's not, uh, you know, and it is so, I mean, it is kind of playing up the fact that, you know, they do respect Takahata. But again, just it does kind of feel like they are just, Giving him short shrift. Well, when, you know, it, 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 it's just like either have more of him or don't feature him at all. The, it, it, it's funny because you know you get the feeling that they have a that it almost actually says this that they they were friends. They're not as good of friends anymore, but they still have an enormous amount of affection and respect for each other. Um, you get the same feeling from, I remember watching the making of uh, My Neighbours, uh, the Yamadas um, on the Blu-ray for that. Um, and, you know, that's, um, uh, I saw a Takahata film 
and, and and he's a little bit kind of snippy about Miyazaki in that in that documentary uh, or documentary feature, I suppose more is. He's a little bit kind of not not mean or um, derogatory about him, but he is a little bit sort of. Well, he does his type of things, and I do my type of things, and they're very different. And I do this, and he does that. And it, it, you can sort of see that, that, that there's obviously some element of friction between the two of them, to an extent, uh, and that comes across. But yeah, he is he is kind of the they 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 do spend a, a bit of time talking about the fact that yeah, he won't finish that movie. He didn't even want to finish that movie. At least Miyazaki wants to finish his movie. Mm. And it, it does feel, like you say, a little bit like he gets a little bit of shit. But from from what I understand about him, is 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 he quite simply, even if he watches this, which he probably won't, he won't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so I it, absolutely. It just it kind of feels a little bit, like I said earlier, against the spirit of the documentary as a whole. But mm. yeah, it, it's it, it's it's a mild complaint though. I mean, I kind of feel like we're maybe getting to the end of it here. But I mean, I. I, I, I mean, it's definitely not shit. Oh, God, definitely, definitely not shit. Not. I mean, like for for fans of Ghibli, it is a pretty much essential viewing. Yeah, and, I, and it, also for fans of animation in general, which in general, which, which, yeah. which probably would mean that you would be a fan of, of Ghibli. I can't understand why you wouldn't be. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's an absolute essential watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to call it one of the best films of the year or anything like that. And it it does slightly feel like it could have been a. a you know, five years ago, it could have been a feature-length DVD extra, but at the, you know, but at the same time, I think it, it, it's it's so very, very, very worth a watch, and I probably will watch it again, to be honest. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, definitely not shit. I, I, I actually, yeah, definitely not shit. I actually think it, there's a, I've heard a rumor that it is going to be on the Spirited Away Blu-ray. Spirited Away Blu-ray is out. Uh, no, they're doing like a big special edition of it. To celebrate the um, some anniversary, and so it's gonna have it's gonna be like a three disc special edition thing, and I've heard a rumor that that's gonna be on it. That would be nice. Oh, and, and also, just a small thing: Studio Canal are releasing a Hayao oh, Miyazaki box, box set, set. Yeah, hundred and fifty quid. It's too expensive. And there are no extras. It's too expensive. I've heard apparently it is literally the film's standalone. This is this is what Total Film said in their review. It is yeah. standalone films, and the bonus disc is just his retirement press conference. Uh, I think it's retirement press conference and trailers. That is bollocks. Yeah, I, I suppose... the, the, the standalone discs have extras. Well, the the the, the, the strange thing is, is Studio Canal have been really good at the at their handling of the the Ghibli um, catalog, in the way that they've released the you know, the, the steel books and the the general releases of the actual Blu-rays themselves have always been really good. Um, the quality's been good. The features have always been pretty nice. Um, but it it, it just it does feel a little bit. I saw that and thought. I thought it would literally just be a nice presented box set, and it would be the discs of all of the of the GB uh, films um, that they that should have kind of released, just the Miyazaki ones. I mean, that's all you need to do. You yeah. Know? Not like just actually half-ass it, but put it in a pretty box, but then charge a fucking fortune. It's, it's, it's a really weird move. It's expensive, isn't it? I, I was tempted at it and I thought, ooh, ooh, I like that. And I thought it would be maybe like 80 quid and it was 150 quid. I thought, I, do you know what? I'm, I, I can't justify it in my brain. 
if it was make. less than a, if it was less than 100 quid i'd go for it but like literally 150 pounds 42 it's on amazon for at the moment i can't justify it it's a nice box but it's not that nice a box <laughs> it just i i yeah i mean i i don't understand that and it, it's such a shame as well like because mm. i mean even just put the extras on there what i don't get what the problem is there it's so weird so weird mm. Right, um, so that was um, Kingdom of uh, Dreams of Madness. Uh, it's a definitely not shit from from both of us. Uh, track it down. It comes out on. It's out in VOD in the US now, uh, and it comes out on VOD in the UK on it, Tuesday. I believe. No, it's actually already on VOD. Is well, it, it's, 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 I, I rented it from the UK iTunes store. Oh, I, I, I rented it from the US. Uh, I didn't know it was on the UK. I didn't even look. I should have done. Yeah, I just like I just <laughs> I, I literally was scrolling through it and it was just like, holy shit, I've heard of this. This is out. Oh, cool. You know, it's, and that's that's basically how I, I I found it was even about. Ah, right, cool. Um, so we're gonna play you um some promos um from podcasts we know and like, and then we're gonna do just a a general what we've been watching rather than one old one new because we've been a couple of weeks and I think we've we've both probably got more than two films to talk about. In a world without adventures and VHS, the book <laughs> comes a world with adventures and VHS, the book. Every journey begins in the mind. We're in, We're in trouble, Gary. In 2013, Noel Miller embarked on a series of VHS adventures that shook the world of podcasting to its very core. He's the kid everyone used to pick up. Now, through the power of the written word, he's back and ready to take those adventures to a whole new level. Described by its overzealous publisher as high fidelity for the video rental generation. And described by Mondo Movie Podcast Dan Audi as bringing the half-forgotten days of 80s video rental stores vividly back to life. It's moving, it's working, it's doing itself, it's working by itself. Adventures on VHS is an immersive trip through a long-forgotten era through some of the films that defined it. An experience too terrifying for words. Available to buy now from AdventuresOnVHS.com with a whole host of fabulous full-color editions showcasing the glorious cover art of the VHS era. The story of one man's disturbing romance with an obsolete format and the weird and wonderful films that shaped his love of movies. And if this person is listening to my voice, I urge him in the name of law and order to desist from this one-man crusade. Adventures of VHS, the book. Buy it today. I'm going to kiss you. Your very life may just depend on it. Okay, Ian, uh, go on then. What, what have you been watching over the past couple of weeks? Ah, oh, fuck, I'm just trying to get it to my bloody letterbox. But um, while I'm waiting for that to load, um, I'm using my iPhone for it. Um, I will say yesterday... We were going to do Black Sea this week, but um, the show times for it were really fucking weird around my end. Yeah, so, they um, were around my end as well, to be honest. I've had to go and see it. Um, I, I would have had to go and see it um, last night. Would have been the only yeah, chance yeah. to see it. I, I, I kind of would have as well, actually. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I, that's that's why we're doing a couple of VOD things this week. But um, I wanted to get out to the cinema anyway, and. Uh, I, you know, I hadn't been to the cinema in a couple of weeks, so I went to see Paddington by myself, 
And uh, do you know what? Absolutely fucking brilliant. Is it? Um, oh, I'm, I'm really glad that, that, that you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I, I was very much against the idea of it. And then when I, once I started seeing the trailers, I was like, do you know what? I actually quite like the look of this. Mate, it's great. It's really, really properly funny. Very, 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 very sweet film. And um, yeah, it, it you know it actually got the emotions going as well. I, I like really had a good time with it. Um, it's properly gut busting humour in it as well. Just simple visual <laughs> stuff, but lovely. And Ben Wishaw as well, brilliant. Um, but yeah, cannot really genuinely cannot recommend Paddington highly enough. I would watch. I I, I would watch it again now. Um, oh, I, I'm I, I'm very much looking forward to catching it. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, I uh, well, I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy and I rewatched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I liked more. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I actually liked a bit less. Um, I, I still very much enjoy Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but I do think the third act is not amazing, and the relationship between Jason Clark and Caesar, I I do not think is nearly as good as the relationship between James Franco and him. And uh, yeah, so. You know, I, I do very much like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I, I, actually, I do prefer Rise, I will say. But, um, and Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, fantastic. It's just it's really, really fun. Yeah. And the, um, the 3D Blu-ray is great as well because it does the shifting um, aspect ratio stuff for the, uh, for the IMAX, and uh, it looks great. Um, listen up, Philip. Um, Jason Schwartzman starring um, kind of New, New York in the film, which uh, really enjoyed. Jason Schwartzman's very, very good in it. Um, thoroughly unlikable, but thoroughly, thoroughly watchable. And uh, so great he's, cast. he's just playing himself again then? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Kind of felt kind of like how Ashby kind of inspired and... Um, oh. Yeah, I um I I got yeah, I really enjoyed it actually. Um Video Games the movie, um which I think came out this year, so I've got a contender for my bottom 5 of the year. <laughs> and I those recently. Um it's 90 minutes of that that game was cool. Yeah, I liked it because of this. Oh yeah, and this moment, oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, games are cool. And do you know what? They they help people with their motor skills and they make people more sociable and you know well, it basically made me not want to play video games so well done video <laughs> games movie. um i uh, i rewatched re the nightmare before christmas which i really enjoy um i've had the 3d blu-ray um <laughs> i've had the 3d blu-ray for two years hadn't watched it and then i watched the fucking 2d version so i was looking after lottie and she really likes taking 3d glasses off my face whenever i have them on so uh, <laughs> uh yeah um but yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. Great songs, very short, great, wonderful animation. Can't complain. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Two Towers. I'm not. I, I. I. I very, very much enjoy. But there are parts of that where I shift in my seat. Return of the King, however, I don't fully engaged for all four hours of it. And uh, Aragon saying, "My friends, you bow to no one." Fucking or oh, the best. Um, so yeah. Uh, the Box Trolls, uh, latest one from Micro Animation, um, who pardon me, made um, uh, Paranorman and Coraline. Really, 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 really like this. Really like this. Very, very funny. Um, uh, really great style to the stop motion. Um, like, really great social satire stuff. And Cheese plays a really large part of it. Cheese is like this weird status symbol in it, which is... <laughs> 
just wonderfully weird. Um, yeah, really, really fun is the box trolls. I was yeah. uh, very taken with it. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, no, really worth a watch, man. And uh, finally, the Maze Runner. Ooh, um, I watched this. Yeah. Um, what so you think? young adult. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of segue into uh, your what, what you watch then. So um, yeah, I I liked it um, well enough. I didn't love it. Um, I've got to say, I'm not that interested in the the sequels that are set up because spoiler alert, they get out of the maze. <laughs> you know, so it's just like well. I'm not really that bothered about the world outside of the maze. This concept was intriguing. Ah, the world outside of the maze isn't the world outside of the maze, though, is it? It's the next test. Yeah, but uh, whatever. I just what what what? So all right, so they're gonna be tested, and then they're gonna find out that Patricia. Oh, actually, spoiler alert. Sorry, I won't. I won't say. Actually, no, I already spoil it. That, that you know, they'll they'll find out Patricia Clarkson's not dead and she wasn't altruistic and she is actually evil. You know, surprisingly, Wicked isn't actually good. Um, you know, so I wasn't that bothered about that. And also, brutal exposition. Oh uh, yeah, but it, 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 I think when you when you are very similar to um, the first Hunger Games and the second fucking Hunger Games movie, which essentially is just the first Hunger Games movie, but slightly different, um, it, it, it is, you know, it's playing to a certain audience where it has to have a little bit more, it has to spell things out a little bit more, I think. I think you can yeah, let no, it off with that. I, I Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, you've got a lot of exposition, then a lot of plot stuff happens, mainly involving running about in the second hour, and there's not a lot of character. And I know there's probably going to be more character as they probably remember more stuff in the future films, but it, you know, I just, I didn't really give a fuck about about any of them, really. Um, even though the performances were fine, I actually thought Will Porter was very good, but um, it, I, you know... I, Interesting I, I, that he had, a, he had a different American accent to the one he had in uh, Where the Millers. I haven't seen Where the Millers. Yeah, it, it, it's because if we hear him speak, he's got a very distinct English accent. Um, sure. And so I thought that he would just put on his American accent, but he doesn't. He goes through a different American accent, and it stayed with him throughout. I thought that was quite, it was quite interesting um, with, with that. Yeah, no, no fair enough. Um, I, and I mean, I will say before I uh, hand over to you, what I did enjoy about it is I thought there was a level of intensity about mm. it, which I was rather taken with. Um uh, it, it, it's it's hard to see how this got a 12A. Yeah. I, I mean, like there was there was controversy about that because the BBFC originally said thematically this is a 15. You know, however, if you tone down this stuff, if you alter the lighting in some of this stuff, you know, you can get away with a 12A. And I would say thematically it's a fucking 15. It, it's and mm. which the BBFC have said they're gonna take more consideration of thematic content it's a fucking 15 the maze runner is a 15 it's grim mm. and it's violent and the atmosphere is actually pretty oppressive at times and i, I you know no amount of editing can get away with uh, from the fact that you know, what the film is about and what the scenes depict even if they're lit differently and even if there are cuts you know, and it doesn't do the Hunger Games thing of just having the camera fly about all over the place. It doesn't actually do that. It holds on things. And um, yeah, I, I I had trouble with that. But that's not a knock on the film itself. Um, and I would say good on Wes Ball, who I think is a first time feature filmmaker. Yeah, for is, directing yeah. the fuck 
out of, out of those scenes. I, yeah, I was really, really impressed by those bits. And the thing is, the second hour, there's a lot of that. So I was into it a lot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't hate it. Seven out of ten on Letterboxd. Um, you know, and I, I, I think it's it is worth a watch, but I'm not super interested in watching any more of it. Yeah, I, I'm. I, what I'll say is, I, I went into it. Uh, Isabel wanted to watch it, so I'm gonna. I completely agree. I think this film should be a 15, and then I'm gonna completely shit all over that by saying, but I let my 10 year old daughter watch it. So, um, so there is there is that. Um, but she thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, by the way, um, but I, I was intrigued by it to be honest because i thought that they tra- i thought the first trailer looked horrendous and then the second trailer i thought actually this uh, all right i'll we're to give it a go it's a really really well directed film the performances are pretty good uh like i say there's there's not that much character development uh of of of, of sorts really uh we, we're just introduced to these people and then they become different people very very quickly uh there's no real kind of building on it um but the action um s- sequences are very well done um dylan o'brien's um a very holds his pl- presence very well um and i think i thought he actually had a good amount of charisma that yeah guy. he's not he's not the bland lead he, no. he actually had something about him yeah, yeah. And, and i like the fact that he wasn't just he isn't just a generic pretty face mm-hmm. you know he seems to have something about him and he had a little bit of emotion to him and it, it did work and it, it did get me invested in the into the story even though it does go a little bit pg-13 resident evil towards the end um amazed that uh, amazed oh god that i didn't even realize i was doing it um that this <laughs> film uh only cost 34 million dollars um really yeah i mean fuck <laughs> That I'm, I'm more more impressed. Just be, I mean, that, that where's Ball then? Uh, like he's he's a bit of a one to watch, I'd say. Fair yeah, because because I, I thought it came out I, I, towards the end. I, I'll be honest, I I'm actually quite looking forward to a sequel to this because I actually really quite enjoyed it. Um, and so I thought, you know, shut up. I hope this film did well. Um, you know, because then it, 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 I, you know I might get to watch a sequel and looked at it and thought, oh, 330, 330 odd million. That you know, that's not. A massive three hundred and thirty million worldwide. Yeah, that's not that bad. I, th- I, I, I thought, I thought, oh yeah, but you know, if that's on a budget of a hundred, shit, it costs thirty-four million. What the fuck? Yeah, uh, so that, you know, very impressed. Uh, I, you know, I thought it was was very good. Um, oh, can I? I uh, will just say as well the reason why they're doing it. I'm sorry, that makes no sense. Yeah, the reason why they're doing it doesn't make sense. But I, it, but, <laughs> it's but, just like. But I, didn't give it, I, didn't, I didn't give it a shit because Patricia Glatz was explaining it by that point, so I was a little bit like, Do you know what, I don't give a shit, I'm just going to look at her. Um, um, yeah, the, the next one's out next year. Yeah, they're filming it at the moment, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed The Maze Runner, was was was, um, was thoroughly on board with it. Um, I also watched I watched the uh, next installment of the Hunger Games movies, not the most recent, but the second Hunger Games film, and again, thought it was all right still not getting what all the big um brouhaha is about it uh i merely think it's all right it's still too fucking long um and essentially it is just the first film with a couple of slight tweaks um what else i watched uh i watched i've, I've watched my first christmas movie uh of the year on i do the same film 
on the 1st of December every year. I watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, we spoke about it last year, but it, it's still a great film. And I watch it on the 1st of December so that I, I can watch it a couple of more times before Christmas has run its course. We're doing that in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. Yes. Um, I watched uh, the uh, Jake Castan, um, Cameron Diaz and Jason Segel movie, uh, Sex Tape. I got two minutes into that and turned it off. Um Right, okay, right, here we go then. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen Sex Tape, right, um, there are, it is, by the way, it is 94 minutes long, right? There are maybe, uh, and I don't subscribe to the, the theory that if a film makes you laugh more than a certain amount of times, it's a good comedy. I laughed a couple of times during Sex Tape, probably three or four times. However, they were in, they were in sort of, condensed moments where I went ha ha that's funny there's a bit in it where they go to Rob Lowe's uh, house Rob Lowe plays the CEO of a company that is about to buy um, Cameron Diaz's blog right more on that in a second <laughs> right okay. uh, and they go to his house and it's clear that he's a very lonely guy and all he's doing is he's getting drunk and doing blow but all around the house, he has various paintings that he's had commissioned, right? And these paintings are of famous scenes from Disney films. But characters have been replaced by him. So, for instance, he's got a big one in his uh, living room, which is uh, Rafiki holding up Simba. But okay. Rafiki's face is Rob Lowe's face. Yeah. And then littered around his house... There are other pictures of him. Um, like there's one where it, it, it it's Geppetto making uh, Pinocchio, but his face is Geppetto, and that is kind of it's not <laughs> it's not actually funny. It's just really fucking creepy. But but right, this is the this is the essentially the plot synopsis of Sex Tape, right? Jason Siegel and Cameron Diaz are married. Um, they have a couple of kids and they... Right, this is the bit where it starts to get a little bit confusing. He does something at a radio station, never actually explained what, and she doesn't actually appear to have a job. She just runs a mothering blog that is about to get bought by a big corporation, right? That's that. That is it, right? Yet they have two cars, they have two kids, they live in a really nice big house, and get this, they don't have time to have sex, despite the fact that he has a job where he seems to just make playlists, and she doesn't have a job, she just writes a blog, right? But they don't have time to have sex, but they really want to have sex, because sex is a big part of their relationship, right? So they decide one night that um, because her blog might be getting sold to this company, that they're going to celebrate it. Uh, and they're going to get, get a little bit drunk, and they're going to actually have sex, right? It doesn't go to plan, so she comes up with the idea that they're going to film it on one of these iPads that these got, right? Now, Jason Siegel's character, right, buys iPads, and then once he is finished with the iPads, he just gives them away to people, like his friends and his mother-in-law and the mailman and things like that, right? I don't understand why... He doesn't just delete stuff off his one iPad that he's got himself and then reload it. But she doesn't have a job. She has a blog. 
he has some kind of job, but he can just buy iPads willy-nilly, right? And that's it. And then they make this sex tape, and then he accidentally doesn't delete it. He puts it onto his cloud, and it streams to everyone's device, and they have to go and try and find them all, right? And Cameron Diaz's uh, perspective you know, the guy who's going to buy her uh, blog off her, uh, who wants to create this wholesome sort of image of her. She, instead, she gives him, instead of giving her him um, her presentation on a USB, she gives it on an iPad. Right. Yeah. What? Exactly. No fucking sense at all. It is, it essentially, right, this could have just been a short film where Jason Siegel and Cameron Diaz have not a lot of clothes on for a while. That's it. It, it makes no sense at all, and it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't know. I just I I. However, it, was, it was like it was like fingers on chalkboard for the first two minutes. So I just thought I've got better things to do. I don't blame you. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, this is someone who is actually actively considering watching Mrs. Brown's Boys the movie in the next couple of weeks just to see how bad it is. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I did that with the Keith Lemon movie. I'm not doing it with Mrs. Brown's Boys the movie. I actually think it's going to be better than the Keith Lemon movie. I, do you know what? Right, I'm going to get all snotty about it. Making a a TV special release in cinemas. Sorry, it's not a fucking film. Um. My birthday movie that I watched this year was... <laughs> it's not a fucking film. It's a fucking no, TV no. special in a fucking cinema. I, I'm, I'm looking for stuff for my worst of the year list because I, I'm actually having a hard time thinking... Like, I'm actually having like, a hard time getting five films that I've hated it just, this year. It just, I think like it would be mean... Because like my bot, whatever my fifth worst is, it's like I don't really want to actually publicly say it's my fifth worst film of the year. Because technically it would be, but it feel it just feels a bit mean. Mm, I'm I'm a little bit like that, yeah. Um, I watched the the drop, uh, the new Michael R. Roskam uh, movie, uh, based on a short story by Dennis Lehane, uh, starring Tom Hardy, uh, Mary Rapace, uh, James Gandolfini, uh, and you've also got a load of you know that guy from that thing uh, in there. Uh, what I really liked about it is it's essentially it's it's very much a neighbourhood story. Uh, in the fact that it exists in a certain world, in a very small um, community, in a very small world, and it never tries to go beyond that. And then the, I suppose the reveal at the end um, never tries to be. T- I'm not going to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it um, for people who haven't seen it yet. Um, it never tries to go too much beyond that and create anything bigger than than, than it being a neighbourhood story. And it's just a very Good neighbourhood story. Um, Tom Hardy is very, very good in it. Um, he plays uh, a character called um, Bob. Uh, he's introduced in uh, Neuro Pace because he finds a dog in her um, in one of her trash cans. And as he's getting out of it, she comes out to sort of say, what are you doing in my bin? She's like, there's a dog in your bin. <laughs> and then he ends up taking all the dog. And he, he seems like he's not... He doesn't seem simple, but he seems very much like a guy who's very happy with his station in life. It, okay. You know, he tends bar at a bar that happens to be run by his by a guy that everyone calls Cousin Marv, uh, and Tom Hardy seems to create great kind of delight in the fact that he is actually his cousin. It, you know, 
everyone calls him cousin Marv, but he is actually Bob's cousin. Um, and he's um, he's happy that he just tends bar there, but you do get the feeling that, that there's a little, there's something more to him uh, than that. Um, James Gandolfini, everyone knows James Gandolfini is is great, but there is also two James Gandolfinis. There's before Sopranos, James Gandolfini, where he played, um, essentially, he played henchmen or versions of henchmen, um, where he stood up, leaned forward, didn't have a beard and pulled kind of crazy eyes look and looked really intimidating. And that's what he did. They did the Sopranos. And then when the Sopranos finished, he did slightly fat beard, James Gandolfini, broken man, sat down talking and pointing downwards in an annoyed way. And that's the two James Gandolfinis that you've had that are, that are separated by the Sopranos. Both of them are great and he's very good in this. But what he does do is he sits and he talks and he points downwards and that's all he does. But it's great when he's doing it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the drop. It, it, like I say, it's... It's slow, it's pensive, um, and it, it, it's quite heavy going at times, but it, it never tries to go grander than it needs to be. And I, I really, really like that about it. And, and Hardy is very, very good in it. Um, there's a few moments where his kind of character doesn't change completely, but just shifts slightly, and it, it, it's really, really good acting. Um Myself and Rebecca also uh, embarked on an unofficial uh, mini-marathon of our own, um, which we titled Juddathon, where we decided to watch a few Ashley Judd movies, because, let's be honest, Ashley Judd makes terrible Can, I, can I just say, Mark, I've, I've got until 8 o'clock, mate. I, right, I, I, will, so. I, will, I will plough through these, um, <laughs> don't worry. Um, so, yeah, um, we, we watched these... Um, bear with me two seconds. I'm sorry, Bex just trying to say something to me now. <laughs> I've got mildly distracted. Yeah, um, so we watched uh, Double Jeopardy, right? Um, starring Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Double Jeopardy, I'll just give the quick, quick run on the story and then I'll tell you say, this. Say Jeopardy again. Jeopardy. Yeah, all right. Um, is, um, yeah, we, we, uh, yeah, we, 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 yeah, Becky's saying we should have called it a Juddernut. <laughs> Juddenor, we should have called should it. Actually, yeah, Beck's Fair Play Juddenor is a way better title. Yeah, um, she just had a fucking light on the room on me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Double Jeopardy, right? Uh, Ashley Judd uh, is uh, married to Bruce Greenwood. Um, he then uh, gets into financial troubles and stages his own death, but makes it look like she's killed him so that he can get the um, insurance money, right? She gets tried for it and goes to prison for it. When she comes out of prison, she finds that he's not actually dead, right? So what she's then told by somebody is that because she's already been tried and convicted of that crime, they then can't try and convict her of it again. So she can actually go and kill her husband and they can't convict her of it. So that is the rest of the movie, is her hunting him down to kill him. (laughs) To be fair, 
That's a pretty good premise for a film. Like, I'm not even being stupid. Right? That is a decent enough premise for a film. But the person hunting this person down is Ashley Judd. Yeah, okay. Being chased down by Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) It's terrible. But I loved every second of it. Of course you did. We then watched High Crimes, uh, which stars... um, Morgan Freeman and Jim Caviezel. Uh, she um, she plays a, a high-powered attorney uh, who seems to have it all um, perfect relationship with her husband until uh, her house gets broken into and then all of a sudden her husband gets arrested and it turns out he's not who he says he is. He actually used to be a Marine who is wanted for um, killing eight people in a brutal massacre um, in, uh, I can't actually remember what country it is, Um, let's say Mexico. Um, uh, And, yeah, again, everything you expect to happen, it happens. It's terrible, but I loved every second of it. Then uh, we watched Twisted, uh, which stars Samuel L. Jackson and Andy Garcia. I'm just going to plow through these very quickly. Um, Good. <laughs> right? Uh, she plays a detective uh, who wants to become a homicide detective. And um, she, uh, you know, she likes mixing up with the boys by acting like one of the guys. She's completely promiscuous. Um, and she's haunted by the fact that her father used to be a cop, but then became a serial killer. Although, actually, he didn't become a serial killer because he killed all the people in one night. So that stops him from being a serial killer and actually makes him a mass murderer. So... Anyway, um, she was then raised by Samuel Jackson, who's the um, police commissioner now, uh, who also happened to be her dad's ex-partner, right? Um, She is also an alcoholic, uh, and when she drinks, she slips into these blackout moments. And then she's on her first homicide investigation, she's partnered up with uh, Andy Garcia, who does things in a little bit of a weird way, and nobody nobody ever usually works with him, and his partners don't last very long. Turns out all the people who are getting murdered um, are people that she's had sex with. Um, And she's never got an alibi because they've all happened while she's been having one of her blackouts. So she starts thinking that, oh, my God, maybe I'm like my dad and I'm a serial killer. However, remember, like I said earlier, dad killed all of these people in one night. So not a serial killer. That's a mass murderer. It's a different thing. Um, And then, yeah, and nobody's going to watch Twisted because it's been out for 10 years and nobody apart from me and Becky have watched it in 10 years. So I can be spoilery. Turns out dad wasn't a serial killer. Um, it was actually her Samuel Jackson's character set it, they killed all these people and set it up because um, he was in love with Ashley Judd's mum and she was sleeping with everybody else but him. There we go. Right, yeah. It, 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 again, it's a terrible movie. Loved every second of it. Uh, so that's what I've been watching. Hello, still there? You, yeah, you don't deserve me. <laughs> Be honest, you're thinking, I want to watch some Ashley Judd movies. No, I know, no. <laughs> Kiss the Girls is a good movie. Fucking. Uh, right, uh, so uh, we're going to give you a trailer for the horror comedy Tusk, and then when we're going to get into the teeth of it.
Always do sober what you do drunk. It'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. Hemingway said that. Yes, he did. And he said it to me. I don't want you to go to Canada tomorrow. It's for the podcast. It's what I do. I travel around and I interview weird or interesting people. So look out, you crazy Canucks. Wandering Wallace <laughs> takes a raunchy road trip up to the Great White North. Hello. I'm an old man who has enjoyed a long and storied life at sea. And after eons of oceanic adventure, I know I do not wish to spend my remaining years alone while I have such stories to share. How far is Bifrost from here? It's about two hours from here. It's about two hours away. I hate American guys. Good evening. It's nice to meet you. Could I interest you in some tea? So what happened after the boat sank? I was alone. And then something very swift and frightening moved by me. A walrus saved your life? The walrus is far more evolved than any man I've ever known. Present company included. Thank you. You're welcome. Would you? Would you? There, there. It'll be all right, Mr. Tuff. He hasn't called me in three days. I'm worried. Why are you doing this? Are you really mourning your humanity? I don't understand. Who in the hell would want to be human? Okay, that was the uh, trailer for the uh, new Kevin Smith movie, uh, Tusk. Uh, stars Michael Parts, Justin Long, Haley Joel Osment, and uh, Genesis Rodriguez, uh, the least looking Latina woman I have ever fucking seen. Um, the story is uh, Justin Long um, uh, and Haley Joel Osment play um, podcasters who. Can you, can you just say Haley Joel Osment again? Holy Haley Joel Osment. Osmet. 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 Osment. Osment. Is it? O s m e n t. Angel Osment. Oh. It's not Osment. 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 Joel Osment. I always thought yeah, Osment. Because Osmet would be O s m i t. Osmet. I don't know him. Osment. Osment. Can, can we just call him Fat Face Squinty Eyes? Yeah, you could. Yes, let's just call him boy whose facial features haven't changed in the last twenty years, but everything has grown around them. Yes, yes, ex- exactly. Yeah, um, they play podcasters who host a podcast called the Nazi Party, um, uh, which you know it does get confused for the Nazi Party. We get it. Hilariously. Very good. Yeah, um, and they essentially just take the piss out of things uh, as a podcast. And one of the things they're taking the piss out of is a kid has sent them a video of him auditioning for Kill Bill, 
or something like that. Yeah. And it, it, he cuts his leg off and they find it hilarious. So Justin Long's character is going to Canada um, to talk to the kid um, and to basically just take the piss out of him some more. Uh, and then when he gets there, the and this is fuck it, we're all spoilers all the time. When he gets there, the kid's killed himself. Um, so he has nothing to talk to. Finds a notice pinned up in the bathroom of a Canadian bar, which leads him to Michael Parks, uh, who ends up ter- trying to turn him into a human walrus called Mr. Tusk. Ian, um, what did you think of Tusk? Uh, points to Kevin Smith for trying, again, after Red State, trying something different. Um, I do wish that he would at, like just go all the way, to be honest. Um, the worst, by far the worst moments of this film, and, and you know, unfortunately there are plenty of those, are when it tries to be funny because it's not funny at all. Um, and when it's working at its best, it is actually quite moody and it has a weird vibe about it. And I will say it also has one of the most memorable images from any film I've seen in 2014. The problem is that image is combined with a tone where you genuinely don't know whether Kevin Smith actually wants you to laugh at it. Or not? Mm. Are we talking about the the reveal? The reveal of, of Mr. Justin Tusk. Long Walrus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is. It, it, yeah, it is a very strong reveal, and it's it's interesting the fact that this is the first film uh, that Smith's made without David Klein as his uh, DOP. I think. Vilmos Sigmund did Jersey Girl. I oh, did. Of course, he did. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it is interesting that you're giving some else, but yeah, it does kind of pan up, and it is a great, it's a great shot. It's yeah, a really it's... strong image, and that sequence leading up to it is very, very strong, mm. and it doesn't feel like anything you ever would have expected Kevin Smith to do. Yeah, but then, and it's great, like it's it's a really good image. Yeah, but it's it, a, it's it's a, like you said, that's the thing. It is tonally, it's a, it's a very mixed film it's all over the fucking place it's a mess the film's a mess yeah it it, it seems to get very confused because it works better as a a kind of macabre um horror film and then it works it also that there are bits there are bits of it only bits, however, that work well as being a slightly nasty comedy, uh, less so than the horror bits, but they don't meld together that well. Um, and then there are there is a whole bit of the film that just made me go, oh, oh, this 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 doesn't a it doesn't feel like Kevin Smith anymore, um, and b it. It feels like not a single person involved in this segment is taking it seriously. Well, so Johnny why Depp playing Peter Sellers? Yeah. So why the fuck should I take it seriously? Yeah. Um, I mean, the the decline of, of Johnny Depp over the years, over the past ten years, is is staggering. It's it's 
It's. I forgot he was in this. I did as well, and then and then it wasn't. It, then when he started, when that character, the character appeared. I was like, I, I I still didn't remember he was in it, and then I just went, it's Bex, that's fucking Johnny Depp." It's like, shit, isn't it? It's like, oh, I kind of remember he was in this now. So I remembered that his daughter was in it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um. Yeah, that bit just that it didn't feel right. Really, his character was terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, you've—I mean, like, there's a lot of kind of like set-up stuff as well about Justin Long's character being a, a like a douchebag, and there's—I was genuinely confused as to whether um, Haley Joel Osment was having an affair with Genesis Rodriguez. Yeah, he is. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. Right. Okay. Um, so you've got that as well, but then none of that leads to anything. And you know, once Mr. Tusk becomes Mr. Tusk, it basically cuts to Johnny Depp for twenty minutes, yeah. and then it goes back, and it's like, right, shit, we need to wrap this up. Let's have let's have Mr. Mr. Tusk fight Michael Parks in a walrus suit, and then have Johnny Depp kill him, uh, kill Michael Parks. Yeah, it's it it, it it there's so much good build up. To, to that reveal. And then, and, then, and then all that's kind of discarded for Johnny Depp for 20-odd minutes. And then it's like, oh, and then it ends. Yeah. And I mean, there's the, the Justin Long and Michael Park's like initial meeting and then when they're talking. That stuff's great, you know. And it's so like... Parks you, is like, brilliant, though, isn't he? It, sorry? Parks is brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. He's very, very good in this. And like, just the little, like, you know... Like I mean, basically the first thing Michael Parks says to him is, "Do you want some tea?" And you know where it's going. Yeah. So you and you're just seeing like Justin Long slowly kind of falling into this, this kind of thing, and it almost happens in real time. Yeah. Actually, I think it think it does. It and, does, yeah, yeah. You know, and it just that's genuinely interesting stuff, and it's got you know, and it's all dialogue, which is what Kevin Smith's like good at. Um, even though I would say, to be honest, in moments his direction is better than his writing here. Yeah, it, it, for the first forty minutes, there is some really interesting bits he does directorially. You know, there's mm. some nice shots in it. There's some sort of I, I, I have this thing about Kevin Smith. I think Kevin Smith, he sees himself as a writer, and only he knows how to to frame his writing. I think he's a better director than he gives himself credit for. And I think part of that comes across in the fact that I think he gives himself too much shit. So he goes, well, I've got to focus more on my writing because I'm not, I'm a shitty director, you know, but I'm a good writer. But I, I, fuck it. I don't want anyone else to direct what I say. So he, he does that. I, I do think he has the capacity to be quite a good director. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I mean, it just, I don't know. I mean, Red State, I I actually thought Red State was okay. I mean, you've got that final 10 minutes, which is bollocks. But, um, you know, Red State, I thought, was all right. And this, I don't think this is all right. Um, you know, it, it, it is a mess. But I just, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think Smith actually needs to have a bit more confidence in his abilities yeah. and push himself. But unfortunately, his, his new film, Yoga Hoses, sounds like it's going to be a step backwards again. Yeah, it, with yoga is is it, 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 it? I'm from what I understand, it's featuring the uh, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter from what's it? Yeah, and, and and Johnny Depp's character like plays a large part in it apparently. Yeah, so it it, it just 
Because apparently this is going to be a new trilogy. It's going to be a trilogy essentially. But um, I... just just fucking make clerks free and then give it up. Yeah, but I, I mean, kind of either that or just do don't do a comedy. Don't rely on your comedy instincts because I mean, Red State doesn't rely on comedy that much, and it's actually no. all right. No, yeah, yeah but, but I, I, I really enjoy Red State. Yeah, yes, it, it runs out of steam uh, without question, Red State. But I, I actually really enjoy Red State. Uh, I, I, mean, I enjoy Tusk. With... I, I enjoy bits of Tusk. I, I just, I, I, it, it just, it, it, it went into a bit of farce towards the end, and it, it, it's like, it's like you wrote the first half of it, and then picked it up two or three years later, and went, I want to write a fucking comedy, and wrote the second half. Well, it's almost as if Johnny Depp came in and said, I want to play it like this. And yeah. Smith's just like, yes, Mr. Depp, no, whatever you say. And then mm-hmm. they, they just did this. I just, it, 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 it's, it's a real shame because there is good stuff in here. There is strong stuff in here. But the, the, dinner the strong stuff is great. negated by the comedy. Yeah, the dinner scene is great where you've got yeah. him and he's eating. He's like, I, I can't move. And then all of a sudden you've got where he starts screaming and then you just, Michael Parks just stands up. And it's like... Oh, slaps him. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, because yeah. you know, you know from the, the start, he can fucking walk. Because, yeah. be, because you know from the synopsis of the film that he's going to try and turn him into a walrus, you know that he can't do it from a wheelchair. So you're waiting for that moment. And you think, I thought that moment's going to arrive, you know, when he, when Justin Long first collapses and falls out of the chair. I thought at that moment you'd see Parks get up and, and start picking up and he'd be like, so yeah, he can fucking walk. And it didn't, it happens at a different point when you're not really expecting it. And it, it, it really worked really well. And it, like you say, once Johnny Depp turns off, it just becomes the Johnny Depp stupid voice and 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 facial makeup um, show. And it, it yeah. just, it's a bit like, really? Johnny, do, 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 do you remember when you used to be a really well-respected actor? <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I mean, also the podcast stuff is bollocks. The um, the Genesis Rodriguez, Haley Joel Osment going to find him stuff just doesn't really do anything at all apart from fill up time. But then, I mean, you know, you got Michael Parks where um, uh, Justin Long first wakes up, and Michael Parks is giving him that story about the bees and the, the phone lines being disconnected, and Michael Parks even laughs at himself a couple of times yeah. during that. You know, and it just that's gr- I mean, that's great. Because it's ridiculous, but it's playing the horror of the situation where Justin Long is fucked and it slowly dawns on him that he's fucked. Yeah. And, and you know, and it really, you know, that scene is great as well. Um, I, I mean, there are like three legitimately good, really good scenes in this film and a bunch of really shit ones. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I mean, I, I ain't got much else to say, but I, I was I was disappointed. But I'm I'm touching cloth because there is some good stuff in it. I'm definitely shit, but I'm slightly close to a touching cloth. But I'm almost definitely shit just because of the fact that it lets itself down so badly with the stuff that is bad. I mean, the stuff that is shit in this film is zero out of five stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think the reason why I'm uh, touching cloth is my goodwill towards Kevin Smith, to be honest. Yeah, I just, I, 
I, you know, there are bits of this that engender goodwill in me, but then there's bits that annoy me because he's resting on his laurels and actually being worse than resting on his laurels as well. So definitely shit. But again, if this was to be in my bottom five of the year, I also think that would be harsh. Yeah. Uh, right, so we're going to go back to uh, the next film in our uh, Martin Scorsese uh, marathon, The Age of Innocence. So we're going to play a trailer from that, and then we'll we'll get into it. I want you to talk to me about May. Are you very much in love with her? As much as a man can be. Do you think there's a limit? In a time of tradition. In a place of privilege. Newland Archer lived his life by the rules of his society. I want everybody to know. What? That we're engaged. Until he met a woman who lived by her own rules. I think they're all a little angry with me for setting up for myself. I hear she means to get a divorce. She made an awful marriage, but that doesn't make her an outcast. I came to see what you were running away from. All I really want is to feel cared for and safe. There's someone else. We should remember marriage is marriage, and Ellen is still a wife. When can I see you? I can't be your wife, Newland. Is it your idea I should live with you as your mistress? You gave me my first glimpse of a real life. And then you asked me to carry on with a false one. No one can endure that. I'm enduring it. Everybody knows. Have you considered the consequences? What the hell does that mean, sir? From the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel... Shall I come to you? Come to me. Columbia Pictures is proud to present... Daniel Day-Lewis... Michelle Pfeiffer... Winona Ryder... They never knew what it meant to be tempted, but you did. The Age of Innocence, a Martin Scorsese picture. Okay, uh, that was a trailer for The Age of Innocence, uh, the 1993 Martin Scorsese film, which stars Daniel Day-Lewis, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Winona Ryder... Uh, and then Richard E. Grant and a bunch of other people kind of crop up almost as background characters, and uh, Joanne Woodward uh, actually narrates the film itself. Um, the film is set in the 1870s uh, in New York's high society uh, and follows the story of uh, Newland Archer, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, who is planning to marry Winona Ryder, uh, his character, Mae Welland. Um, but uh, he is 
taken by her cousin, uh, Ellen uh, Countess Alenska, um, who is returned to New York from Europe, uh, an unspecified part of Europe. I think it's supposed to be uh, Poland, I think. Um where she has married a count and uh, it has gone badly in unspecified ways. Um, Ian, Age of Innocence, uh, what were your thoughts? Was this a first watch for you? was indeed, yeah. yeah. Um, your... This and the film we're covering next week are both first watches. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that Scorsese gives his kind of modern-day uh, visual sensibilities to a, to a period drama, mm. And, um, you know, some really kind of interestingly edited bits by Thelma Schoonmaker. Um, and its fascination of etiquette and food, I thought, was interesting as well. Yeah. Um, the, the way that the food just doesn't really look that appetizing at all. It looks very polished, but you wouldn't want to eat it at all. Um, I, I, well, at least I wouldn't. I, I, I thought was was interesting. And um I, I like Daniel Day Lewis as well. It's a very mannered performance, and I was I was always expecting him to blow up, like at some point to lose it. And you've got moments where it kind of feels like he's going to do it, and then never does, which I thought was interesting. I mean, there's a bit where um, he like he he talks about he imagines how easy it would be kill, uh, to kill Winona Ryder's character, like young women die all the time. Yeah. You know, and there's the film plays with you as well. There's like the moment where um, she tells him that she's pregnant and there's a scene. It kind of cuts to a shot even of um, him sitting there and her at his knees. And I was kind of almost feeling like it was going to go a bit in Glorious Bastards where like, you know, the bit where Christoph Waltz like suddenly lurches towards Diane Kruger. (laughs) You know, I I don't know. It's quite playful in your expectations and maybe there's a little bit of because it's Scorsese in there perhaps um but yeah no I liked it man yeah it's a a strange way like you say what what is really nice about it is the fact that you've got it's very much a Scorsese movie but it is a period drama as well and you've got this expectation it being Daniel Day-Lewis that, that like you say that he's going to explode and he doesn't he has this very it's a very measured like you say performance from him and you know he, he stays as this character that has very little emotion to him other than the fact that he clearly is it, it, it's strange for Daniel Day-Lewis to play somebody who is just a really nice guy yeah Um, but who it, it, He's very aware of the fact that um, of his standing uh, in where he is, and the fact that that is very important uh, that you maintain a certain level of standing to remain within that circle. And it's not that he wants to keep friends with these people; it's because he knows that his livelihood and his family's livelihood depends upon all of this, and it, it does deal with the the social politics of it all it, it very well. And, you know, for the maybe the first 40 minutes, it's almost documentary-like, sure. where we don't really get a lot of the characters actually sort of interacting or speaking together. We see them interacting and speaking together. But it's actually um, 
Joanna Woodward's um, narration that he's telling us what's happening and essentially it, it's introducing us for the first 40 minutes of the film um, to these people and how this thing works so it can then say this is the story. I mean, you've, got, you've, got that, you've got that tracking shot when um, Day-Lewis is going through that party and it, mm. the camera just kind of wanders off to other characters and you've got her just saying this is this person yeah this is what they this is what they are like you know which is uh, which is incredibly reminiscent of something like goodfellas yeah totally uh of things like that uh and yeah a similar thing i think happens in casino um you know there is that kind of vibe to it there is scorseseisms there um which is great to see them attributed to something like this um I mean, it is. Uh, Things it, it it does start to drag in the middle a little bit, um, and um, Michelle Pfeiffer's kind of character doesn't really get that well fleshed out, to be honest. Within no, it. I mean it's it's more, and it, you you only ever feel like an infatuation more than any real love between the two. Yeah, yeah, um, abs- absolutely on that one. Is it's. Uh, it's a confusing way that they kind of frame it. Yeah, I mean, just the the way that the, there's there is maybe one too many kind of like she goes away, he goes to find uh, you know something may or may not happen, then they break apart again, and then and then it kind of rinse repeat. There is a little bit of that to this. Yeah, and it, it seems like I mean from from what you gather, and uh, the reason why her marriage broke down is the count is a bit of a bastard. Yeah. Uh, and um, she's a little bit um, loose with her fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, th- th- there's that that's kind of played around. Um, and then y- y- you've got this kind of this this montage out, you know, out where it's, it, it's essentially swinging around a room and it being narrated of what's happened in you know over all this time. And then you get to the end where. You know, and spoilers for a fucking movie that's twenty-one years old, um, where you know when Orion's character's died, and you know, and then he has the opportunity to then meet back up with um, with Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and he he decides, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I have my um, opportunity, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go for it then. I don't see why I'm going to go for it now. And I. I, I... One thing I thought was interesting as well is Winona Ryder's character, because um, I found it hard to read her, and I, I actually think that's intended. I think that's a kind of a strength of the performance. Yeah, but, like whether she is sweet natured or whether there is something else to her, you could re- you could really read it either either of the ways. I mean, the, the scene where she says that she's pregnant, it's like. Is she actually actively trying to trap him? Oh yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, it, it, or is it just that you know she's not exactly dull? Well, actually, yeah, maybe a bit dull, and she just doesn't really notice what she's doing. I mean, it, like Daniel Day Lewis's character seems to well, I, I, think, think of her as that. You know, uh, yeah. What, what personally, what what I think of it is is that she. she's actually a lot more clued in than anyone gives her credit for. Oh, totally. Um, And there's a a key moment where, uh, for me anyway, where um, Michelle Pfeiffer asked Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, about, you know, is this a marriage of arrangements? 
because it's two of the leading New York families becoming one family. And he's like, well, no, no, and I, uh, you know, it, 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 it's definitely not. I think he genuinely thinks that it's not. I think that Winona Ryder's character, uh, she's very much, she knows that it is. For her, it is a marriage of, uh, of she she does like him and that, and she accepts that he's a good man. But I think she sees the bigger picture, whereas he doesn't see the bigger picture. And so, her basically saying to him, of you know, well, you know, if you, because she kind of, she gives the impression that she that she'll that she'll allow him to go if he wants but she doesn't actually say that she kind of gives the impression of, of that and then does the drops the I'm pregnant bomb yeah to keep him there and I think all the time she's playing she's letting him she's giving him enough rope to keep him close enough to let him think that he can go off and do this uh, and but at any point she could turn around to uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character and go Leave and make sure he doesn't go with you. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, like she, she knows that he's stuck by the social conventions as well. I mean, it's it's a very, yeah, I, I, you get the kind of the suffocating nature of it as it goes on, and you know his character, you notice him kind of start to drink a bit more as well, and mm. you know it, his his kind of manner, his his voice and his kind of diction become le- like a bit more direct and a, 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 a bit less softly spoken. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite a, a quietly heartbreaking little performance from Daniel Day-Lewis, really, because it, it's just a character who finds that, you know, he is stuck, even if he, like, it, you know, he turns out to be happy. It is still a massive regret in his life. And, it, and you know, the, the, the bit at the end where, he says to his son, "Oh, she didn't give me a choice. She, you know, she, she didn't give me a choice, or whatever it is that yeah. he says." Yeah, you know? and it, it just like it's very, very, very sad. And the ending as well. It is, um, and again, I mean, with the with the editing, you know, where it kind of he looks up at the window and he sees the sun glisten, then it cuts to the the ocean, and then kind of her superimposed onto the ocean, and you know, it's like his mind's eye. I, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the way it works with the editing earlier on, where it's doing that the quick it, it, cutting it, between the food and stuff. You know, it is. It is with that moment. It's like no. It's almost like he's going to gain. No, the sailboat was the point. Was the moment that yeah. I cut this off. It yeah. didn't happen. And it's almost like he's gone. Yeah, he, he is essentially saying, I had that chance twenty five years ago. Yeah, I didn't take it. I'm not going to ruin everything that's happened in this past 25 years for now. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we're about ready to wrap on it, I think, aren't we? There's sure. not that much else to go into it. It's definitely not shit. Oh, um, yes, yeah. If if not a little bit over long at points. Yeah, I mean, like four out of five. Yeah, I'd say that, yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely over, over long at points. But, um, I mean, yeah, very well acted, even though Michelle Pfeiffer does kind of get short shrift. It is interesting that Winona Ryder, with not a lot of screen time, kind of, she does wheedle away in there to, I think, make more of an impression, really, which, you know, which is kind of weird, given how the characters are at the start. But, um, yeah, definitely not shit. I'm, I'm glad this marathon has made me watch it. 
Cool. And uh, what are we covering next week on this one? It's uh, Kundun. Kundun, yes. Ah, very good. Um, right. Uh, Twitter questions. We'll, we'll fire through these because I know uh, we've got about five minutes of show time left. Uh, one from a couple of weeks ago uh, from Tom at Very Cinematic. Uh, which hardman actor would you want to accompany you on a Black Friday shopping trip to snag a cheap flat screen TV? Dave Batista. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Stath. Yeah, either one of them. Because I I think he'd know his way around a Tesco. I reckon Dave Batista would just yeah he would. I, everybody would run away. Yeah, he, he would just be like a battering ram. You could just walk behind him. That's a good one. That one. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, again, Tom at very cinematic. Um, what is the definitive colour of Paddington's uh, Wellington boots? I always thought it was yellow, but what do I know? What colour are they in the film? Because I always I thought they were remember. yellow. I think they're red in the film, I, aren't they? I can't remember. They might be. I think they're red. I was. I always thought they were yellow. Uh, although I have seen them be blue at some point. Um, I'm sure. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, oh no! Wait, I'm looking and I'm. I'm just looked at images and there are some depictions of red. There are some of yellow and there are some of blue. But they do appear to be red more often than not, to be honest. Oh, there you go. So we'll go with we'll go with red um, on that. Rich uh, uh, kid uh, at Rich J kid. Uh, the trailers for Jurassic World, Terminator Genesis, Star Wars Ep Seven are out. Which, uh, if any, are you looking forward to most? Uh, I think you covered this earlier, Ian. So do you want to reiterate? Um, Star Wars. Yeah, uh, mine. There you go. Mine is going to be uh, a sadly going to be Terminator Genesis out of those three. Uh, but however, <laughs> I, however, however, I will say I don't. That's not me saying I think that will be the best out of the three films. Um, John A uh, at John uh, Zola. Uh, what are your favourite Christmas movies of the last ten years? Uh, Elf. Is that Bad Santa? Uh, Arthur Christmas. I haven't, I, like seen, I haven't seen Arthur Christmas. Uh, it's on Amazon Instant Video, even though I know you don't like that. Uh, I've got rid of my Amazon Prime. Oh, there you go. There um, fucked. But I think it's also on Canadian Netflix. Oh, there you go. Oh, by the way, went on Mexican Netflix the other day. Fucking great. Oh, Mexflix? Yeah, yeah, there's loads on there. Oh. Um, yeah, um, mine, not not, a, not actually a Christmas movie, but I'm going to count it as a Christmas movie. Uh, I'd say Hugo. There's snow in it. <laughs> And it was released around Christmas. My brain yeah. counts that as a Christmas movie. Yeah, actually, to be fair, I'm planning on watching Hugo around I, I Christmas. Don't, so. We don't seem to get a lot of actual full-blown proper Christmas movies anymore. Um, you know, they seem to not really exist. Um, I know uh, Joe Swanberg's got one out, hasn't he, this year? Well, it's called Happy Christmas, but apparently it's not much about Christmas in it. Ah, right, because it's on US Netflix and Canadian Netflix. I was going to give that a yeah. watch. Yeah, uh, came out in the US like, over the summer, so. Oh, I'll probably will. Um, yeah, uh, so that was that was that was, that was our Twitter questions. What are we covering next week, Ian? Fair enough. Um, I don't really know. What's out? Um, well, the Hobbit. So not a lot else. Ah. We might be covering a VOD next week. <laughs> I think you haven't seen the other two Hobbit films, have you? No. I think you should just go and watch the third one and see if it makes any sense. It's <laughs> an experiment. I might do that. <laughs> Come on, that would be pretty funny, Mike, just to see if any of it actually makes any sense to you and whether you still enjoy it. All right, I'm up for that. 
Hey, I love for that. Great to see it, having not having not seen the first two and having never read the book. Like, don't watch the first I'm not two gonna, this week. I have no Just... intention of watching it. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm up for that. Because you know they're not going to give you a recap at the start either. No, they'll 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 be no previously on hobbits. <laughs> Do you know what? It's the shortest one of the lot as well. It's like two hours, 24 minutes. Take 10 fuck minutes off me, at the that's end. that's the so. shortest one. Yeah. Like, fuck am I watching the other ones then? Right, so um, yeah, that was episode Brilliant. Do you know what? I've been thinking, I've been wondering whether you'd agree to that all day, so I'm actually very pleased. I, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm up for that. Um, so we're going to cover Hobbit. Ian's seen the two movies. I haven't, and I have no I'm interest. actually going to re-watch the other two this week as well, so... <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, and we'll be covering also Kundor uh, for our Martin Scorsese Marathon. Say Kundun again. Kundun. Did I say Kundor? Yeah, you I'm said Kundor. I'm going to say it all next week as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, uh, anything else to add, Ian? No, man. That was uh, fun. It's monkey at gmail.com, at monkey at DudeForce, at Ian Loring. <laughs> Hayley Joel Osmit. That's, I, I, fuck I'm it. telling you, man, it's not Osmit. Someone I, back me up. I, 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 I disagree. Uh, I, I also will stand by it. Nobody gives a shit. He's not relevant anymore. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I will say is, I thought he was quite good, didn't it? Whatever. He, he, can't, he was fine. He can't fake laughter. No. All of the things he was laughing at, apart that podcast, were nowhere near that funny. Um, so, yeah. yeah. That's true. Uh, so, yes. That was episode 90, and thank you very much for listening, guys, and we shall speak to you next week. Kundor! Kundor! <laughs> <laughs>